Ocean, A1 Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. I intentionally didn't give you any heads up about this, and okay. I think I can stall long enough if you need to think about this for a moment. But it occurred to me that what people want or need out of their vehicles or their expectation a lot of times is different. You know, some folks just need, you know, short commutes, some people long commutes, some people need towing, some people need good fuel mileage in today's day and age. Um, For me, towing is a big deal. It is a big part of, I guess, my lifestyle, if you will. I don't know. That's kind of a weird way to put it, I suppose. But um, I know we talk about you're kind of, you know, moved out into the rural uh, part of the country a little bit. And so you've got some different needs. But when you think about other people, you know, do you ever think about what it is that you need out of your vehicle, what it is you expect, anything of that nature? You know what? This is really funny that you actually mentioned this. Yeah. Because, you know, here in the next couple of months, I will be going on maternity leave. Yes. So I have. Thank you. So I've been trying to think of some shows because, of course, we will have to keep doing the show. Yeah. We can't just quit. No. And. So I was thinking about different topics to kind of fill, if you will. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was thinking was, you know, I've mentioned quite a bit that I do want to get a new vehicle here in the next few, like, years if Mm -hmm. I can. And some of the things that weren't necessarily as important to me before are definitely now a lot more important. One of which being four-wheel drive and one of them being safety. I, that didn't used to really occur to me. You know, everybody wants a safe vehicle, right. but it wasn't like the top thing I was looking for. I was usually looking for fuel economy because when I first purchased my vehicle, I was living out in the country mm-hmm. and it was a great benefit living in town, but it's also really benefiting me now. But sure. safety wasn't the top thing, but now it is. Yeah. So hopefully that kind of answers in a roundabout yeah. way, your question. Well, it, it really got me thinking, you know, because that's a big part of kind of the process at the counter, at least is, is my approach when I have somebody come in and I'm the service advisor or the technician is, you know, what is their expectation for this vehicle? Is it just a, you know, short trips commuter, um, not really going to be traveling much, not hauling much weight? Um, we had some folks here a few years ago that decided they were going to move across country. They were younger just at the drop of a hat, they were moving to California, and they had, if I remember right, it was a probably a late 90s, early, mid-2000s Honda Civic. Well, the payload capacity is about 900 pounds is all you're supposed to put in that car. And so, you know, with two people in that car um, and all the stuff you could cram in a Civic, they made it, I think, out into Oklahoma somewhere, but they had the car so overloaded that it overheated out there. And so they had called us. We were their normal service facility. And, you know, the bottom line is I don't have a store out in Oklahoma, one, but two, they had overloaded the vehicle, I mean, big time. And the little uh, small displacement engine wouldn't um, sustain that much payload um, because that car is not built for that. And I realize that's a great fuel economy car. We've got one out at Republic. We're basically doing a mechanical restoration to. Uh, It's a beautiful little Civic. We're redoing the suspension on it, or we have redone the suspension, put a new engine in it. And the gentleman wants to do it because, A, there's not a lot of inventory out there. And, B, this thing's going to be perfect for the the fuel economy, I guess, stress or strain that we're going to be getting in right now. 
So it got me thinking, you know, I've got an old uh, four-wheel drive Mazda pickup that I used to drive quite a bit. There was nothing wrong with it, but it's been sitting about 10 years. And as fuel gets way up there, you know, all of us, I think, are going to be in the same boat that all of a sudden, you know, I'm still going to be doing some towing, but fuel economy is going to be in our decisions. And, and, you know, I'm not making a a blanket statement for everybody out there. But fuel economy is going to be a deal because the more you pour into that fuel tank, the more it takes away from other things. You know, this is not, oh, you know, inflation went up 40% and all of a sudden everybody's income jumps 40%. That's just, I mean, it would be awesome if it worked that way, but that's not been my experience. Um, And even if you make a very, very good living, essentially you just got basically a, you know, big ding to your monthly budget, if you will. So, you know, as I'm kind of thinking about, hey, how do you deal with these things? You know, it's one thing to be gloom and doom and hacked off at, you know, whoever it is that you deem responsible for this. And some of that, I think, is very justified, but that doesn't lend anything to some kind of a solution. The reason that I'm bringing all this up is I'm seeing folks bring in vehicles that, you know, they've owned outright for many years. Or in my case, you know, I had that old Mazda pickup. I love it to death. They, uh... It, it's obviously a, a compact truck, and I'm a, a pretty good-sized fellow, so me uh, rolling out of that little bitty pickup is a little sight to be seen. However, you know, it does a great job. It gets around well. Four-wheel drive being in the uh, rural areas, as Sarah mentioned earlier, is an important part this little pickup is, and it gets incredible fuel economy. So that's going to be a bigger thing as we continue to go further. And you know what? It's it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I, I found a— article on Fox News, you know, the gas prices is, of course, one of the main things that has been a hot topic here the last couple of weeks. And they have an article titled, These are the Least Fuel Efficient American Vehicles. So that kind of goes hand in hand with exactly what you were talking about. And I'm not too terribly sure about this list, but you can correct them if it's wrong. They have, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different vehicles, and it ranges from actual sedans to trucks. It's got a couple different Jeep brands on there, so it's a little bit of everything, but I'll run through it really quick for you. that'd be awesome. So if you have one of these vehicles, um, you might be feeling a a little bit of a... You're going to have to adjust your budget. Yeah, you might feel a pinch (laughs) at at the pump. The first one is Cadillac CT5V Blackwing. Mm-hmm. It says they get 15 miles per gallon. Yeah. The next one is the Dodge Challenger or the Cha- uh, Charger SRT Hellcat Red Eye Wide Body. They also get about 15 miles yeah. per gallon. Is this list accurate so oh, yeah. far? They're fun to drive. You'll probably notice a, a theme here. They're mm-hmm. fun to drive, but you're going to pay for it. <laughs> the next one is the Ford F-150 Raptor. Mm-hmm. It also gets about 15 miles per gallon. The Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Mm-hmm. Is yep. uh, also gets about 15. Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392. It gets 14 miles per gallon. The Ford Mustang Shelby GT500. It gets about 14 miles per gallon. And the least amount of gallons that you can get out of a vehicle 
is listed as the Ram 1500 TRX. Mm-hmm. It gets just 12 miles per gallon. None of those surprise me. I would I would make a, an educated guess that most people that own those vehicles can afford them. Those are going to be higher-end vehicles as far as cost-wise. One of the ones that I always get a lot of complaints that would be kind of what I would consider a normal vehicle out there is any of your PT Cruisers. The, you know, smaller chassis, uh, Dodge or, or uh, Plymouth, they had uh, different iterations of that. They don't get very good fuel mileage really? at all. Yeah. And everybody kind of expects it when you get into trucks and, you know, that kind of right. stuff. You kind of know that you're going to take a hit. Uh, but those, I've always had a lot of complaints that, hey, they get awful fuel economy. And, you know, they're they're doing a lot of work with a bigger, heavier vehicle, and they didn't upgrade the powertrain in that. That's the same powertrain that was in kind of the Dodge Neons, which is a much lighter, uh, more aerodynamic vehicle. So definitely one of those things you need to keep in mind. You know, you're going to want to get every uh, uh, inch of fuel economy that you possibly can. So, you know, properly inflated tires, properly maintain uh lubricated systems is going to be a big deal and i'm not preaching this out there just because i you know want service or do any of that at the shop if you can do it on your own the point is just get it done you know if you've got a shop that you love that can take care of all this or you can do it on your own i don't care who does it this is going to help all of us essentially because you know if you get another mile or two to the gallon because your tires are inflated correctly or the you know the lubricant part and I'm talking oil transmission fluid uh, the brake system transfer case differentials um, that makes a big big difference and as I drive around town the amount of low tires I can visibly see is all over the place so if you've got a tire pressure monitor system which is that little best way i can describe it is upside down horseshoe on your dash it'd be a yellow light or amber colored uh you definitely want to get that up to par and if you don't you're just going to have to get out and check the pressure on your tires because that is going to cost you money let alone decrease the amount of life expectancy out of tires and i'll be very frank with everybody out there um, if you bought tires a year ago or two years ago you you got a you got a discount you got a deal Right now, it's almost, I don't think it's daily yet, but it's almost a weekly basis that our tire manufacturers or our tire warehouse that we have the ability to pull from are raising the prices exponentially. And I'm talking 25, 50, 75% on tires. So Sarah and I have pushed through the first break. When we come back, we're going to have some discussions about training or furthering education that A1 Custom just went through. But we'll be right back in a moment. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, we did some learning this last week. I know. I thought, you know, I bet he's up there in Kansas City just nerding out. I am, for sure. So Vision Conference 2020, or Vision Casey, if anybody wants to look that up, uh, we are part of the Midwest Auto Care Alliance, Milwaukee. And the Milwaukee, um, I guess, the king people at Milwaukee, or the, the facility itself, put on a vision conference, which is about, I don't know, 2,000 technicians, service advisors, and shop owners throughout, uh, I think there was over 40 states people had come from wow. in seven countries. So a lot of times we get people from Australia, Japan. Now, I think some of that pulled back, obviously, with the, the uh, climate of the world at the moment. 
but there was it was a huge event. So latest technology, latest training, that is what I probably my favorite thing about A1 Custom is that the continued education, and I'll be honest, that's why I choose to work here, is because I absolutely will not stagnate in the industry. I don't want to, you know, my instructor, Greg Allen, I've talked about him many times over the years. He was at uh, in uh, Monette here locally. He was my Votech instructor, fantastic technician. And he told me, and I'll, I'll remember this to this day when I was graduating, he said, don't specialize in working on older technology. Not that we can't, not that we don't, but basically his point was is that as things change, in order for you to stay relevant in whatever industry, not just automotive, you must stay current. So the one of my favorite things about A1 Custom, A, is they really kind of they uh, give me a lot of latitude to make sure that I know the right instructors, we're getting the right training for all of our staff. And I take that very, very seriously, and I put a lot of effort into that, as well as keeping us up with the latest equipment. Um, you know, there are reasons that I do not work at other facilities, and that for the last 20 years I have chosen – to come to A1 Custom Car Care, and I've worked at all their locations uh, at different points in my career, sometimes all in the same week. But I choose it because they keep up on their equipment, they keep up on their facilities, they keep up on their training, and they have opened that up that this is a, this is a team effort. We work to be on the cutting edge. Now, usually when I give these spiels, a lot of people, I think, fill in the blank that, hey, we're the greatest and best, and I'd like to think so, but we're not perfect things happen especially with mechanical devices and the automotive industry is very much mechanical electrical hydraulic etc so things happen we're not perfect but all we can do to continue to aspire to hone those skills is education i cannot stress that enough i don't care what field you're in out there uh, if it's the medical field, especially, I hope that you're continuing your education. But in the legal field, you know, in construction, electrical, whatever it is, engineering, you absolutely cannot stagnate. Otherwise, you become not as valuable to your industry and you will become behind. And behind is not good. You know, that's where malpractice happens. That's where, you know, those bad, bad things you can't take up, take take back come from. So we have to continue our education, and I hope and pray that that is important to everybody out there, too. Uh, Miss Sarah, I watched you for, I don't know, I think maybe you were in college when you started here. Is that yes. right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't get to see the very beginning, but I watched the evolution of you continue your education and the amount of effort that you put into that. Yes. Uh, I believe there was some after hours, uh, you know, extra side jobs to pay for some of that college. Oh, yes. And, you know, that, that speaks volumes about your commitment to this industry. It's a big deal. And that didn't come lightly. The fact you fought so hard for it, I'm, I'm going to assume this answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does that education mean more to you than just, you know, a free ride? Oh, absolutely. You know, education is something that I have harped on, especially with trade. Radio is considered a trade skill. For sure. And it's something that I absolutely love. I knew that this is something that I wanted to do for a very long time. I knew that I wanted to work in media. And I'm very thankful that I got such a great education over at OTC. Yeah. And my professors, they were, I mean, just hands-on, wonderful 
professors and even now I still will get messages from them and they will hearing me on the radio and they'll message me or, you know, they'll hear a spot or they'll see the vehicle out and about. And, you know, that's just a sense of pride. Absolutely. Yes. It's a very big sense of pride for me. So what sparked the the thought that you wanted to be in media and radio? Do you know the, the key moment by chance? Uh, I was in high school. I was a freshman oh. and I took a media class. I had to take like two or three extracurricular and one of which was public speaking and I thought oh god I can never really? which is very ironic yeah I am I, a very shy person that. yeah I'm very shy so if you actually meet me out in person uh you'll notice that I'm a little shy but even then uh, I decided I did not want to take public speaking so the only other class that had any seats available was a digital I can't even remember the name of it but it was a digital class and you got to learn how to you know do basic things with PowerPoint and with this little tiny handheld camera and like you basically got to learn how to do like basic photography and that was the funnest class that I ever had in my entire life and that's when I decided this is so fun I want to do this forever wow yes so I'm gonna make a leap out here I'm going to say that that instructor was very good or that teacher yes. was very good. Julie Swadley is her name. So. See, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you had that connection because, you know, I think that's what really either gets us involved in something or, you know, pushes us away from it is that instructor. I thankfully always knew what I wanted to get into. So, you know, my uh, education or career was, uh, you know, already kind of set out. You know, if I move out of the country or I move out of the state, I'm going to be in the automotive industry. And I would venture to say the same thing for you as well. You're going to be in radio or or some kind of media at some point. And I'm very thankful that we're in this part of the country, especially with all the shenanigans going on across the the country and the world at this point. So a couple of uh, things happened while we were in Kansas City. Um, we took 18 of our staff, and we've got roughly 30, give or take a few. Um, so we took two-thirds of our company, and that's a big commitment, not just financially, but as a uh, time commitment to ask that many people, hey, you know, you know, weekends are important and time off is important, but hey, we're going to take you with us and, and continue to the education. But this was my probably 12th or 13th year in a row going. Uh, not that I don't get something out of it, but I, I haven't been the new person at this event in, in a long time. And so we took uh, a lot of our staff was a first-time attendee to this very, very large and very focused uh, continuing education event. But 46% of the, the people that attended were first-time attendees, which was really cool. They stood up at a big banquet, and so we got to see the majority of that mm-hmm. room, or not quite the majority, but a, a, you know, darn near half, were first-time attendees. And you know, we've talked about the labor shortages in, in uh, trades, et cetera. To see that many people that are investing in themselves or their company is investing in uh, their team was a big, big deal to me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we're part of that, right? And then to see the fire in their eyes that, you know, this industry is not easy. You know, I'm sure not every day you have is just like, you know, a cakewalk. Sometimes it's very, very challenging. 
and to kind of recharge those batteries from time to time is very important. And some of the things that you're struggling with, you have peers or instructors that are willing to share that information with you to streamline or improve that process. That's really what this event was about. And it absolutely happened. It was so cool. There were points where I was in class and I've been struggling with one of my biggest struggles is paying attention to our numbers. You know, when you look at me, you probably don't think, oh, yeah, he's the numbers guy. You know, he wants to know about this and that and the health of the company and the business. Thankfully, we have a very, very healthy business and company. I don't dwell on that very much. However, there's things that those numbers show you that being in the operation role that Alan and I are in. We need to be focused on because they're indicating, hey, you know, you're kind of slipping here or this is going really good or this, you know, we could do some fine tuning on. So it was a an eye-opening event for all of us, essentially, and to be a big part of that was a really huge deal. However, we got another minute or two there. You got about close? a minute. Okay, so I'm going to segue, and we'll probably have to pick it up on the other side of it. There was some crazy stuff that happened while we were in oh, Kansas City. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So it wasn't our company, thankfully, but and we're going to talk about stolen catalytic converters, but... Um, there was a, a another shop, and I'm not familiar with them, but I had a class with one of them. They had stayed a little bit farther away from the conference center. They had driven in, and when they came out, every one of their car's catalytic converters oh, were no. stolen. I could not believe it, and it makes me very thankful to be here in Springfield, Missouri. However, it's happening here, too. It's yes, a, it is. It's a crazy, crazy deal, and so we need to step into a break, but Sarah and I are going to kind of hash some more of that out right after this your complete car care solution a1 custom car care all right welcome back you've got sarah and dustin a1 custom car care uh you know it's not that i'm always trying to uh beat a dead horse here but i feel like if we're not talking about it there may be somebody out there that's not familiar with it and they may not be on the lookout for it. is that a fair way to say right. it mm-hmm so, um, you know, this happened at a hotel, essentially, up there in Kansas City, as well as another gentleman had a brand new, I think it was an F450 or 550 oh. diesel. Uh, they stole the uh, after treatment. It's a little different. It's kind of like catalytic converter on ster- steroids. Mm-hmm. This was a brand new truck. It was an <sighs> $8,000 insurance claim on his brand new truck that this happened. That makes me sick to my stomach. Oh, yeah. is absolutely, you, you know, and unfortunately, I have, I actually went out kind of on, I don't want to say scene. Is that a way to say it, Sarah? Is that yeah, I was on sure. scene? <laughs> I went out to help some folks pretty near here, and uh, the vehicles uh, had been moved in a while, and so they needed, you know, jump-started off, get them going, so I was kind of helping with that, and they had run through their fleet of vehicles. They had stolen the catalytic converters off of them. I absolutely hate a thief. Yes. It makes me so angry. It makes my blood boil. Have you ever had your vehicle broken into before? Uh, I haven't had my vehicle, but we had a known... I don't want to say uh, family friend because they weren't. They broke into our house one time. Oh, my gosh. When we were at a family reunion, and they knew we were at a family reunion. They stole the weirdest stuff. You can tell that they were on something, you know. Mm-hmm. They stole my first aid kit. They stole uh, the Dr. Pepper out of the fridge. I had some high-end streamlight flashlights they stole. They stole the change for my kids. You know, that's how you know that they're on something. They literally stole the change. And they stole, when MP3 players first came out, I had mm-hmm. a Sony MP3 player. I thought I was a boss. And uh, they stole that, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but my first aid kit, I'm sure they assumed there was something they could get high on out of there. 
Uh, but yeah, that was that was so. Yes, I've I've had somebody in my personal space, and uh, that's not fun at all. Yes. Have you had your car broken? Yes, into? I really? have had my car broken into multiple times, what? actually. And the crazy part is. I lived on the south side of town when this happened. Mm -hmm. And I've always told folks that, you know, people that are going to steal things, typically they don't steal from the plighted areas mm -hmm. that, you know, are impoverished. They're going to drive to the good side of town. Yeah. So just because you live on the good side of town, don't think that you're safe. It's actually a little bit of a target out there. Yeah. And they stole the stupidest things, Oh, yeah. Too. Same deal. Uh, yeah. Actually, I had my wallet in there, but it was, thankfully, there was nothing in it mm -hmm. because I had taken everything out of my wallet to put in this little tiny purse that I was carrying sure. because it was Thanksgiving. What? Yes. And so I just wanted to, like, bring as little with me as possible. Well, yeah. So thankfully, I had everything taken out of my, my wallet. My, my. But they took that. They took my change. Uh, my dog had just went to the vet and so i had like a little like vet bag of like dog foot powder because she had injured her paw yeah and so i it basically just went in between her paw pads sure. uh, so they took that and then the thing that made me the angriest was they took my husband's jacket and it wasn't just a jacket it was his military jacket Ooh. And so uh, that made me furious that somebody around Springfield was walking around with my husband's military-issued jacket. Yeah. But yeah, those are the things that were taken from my vehicle. Well, and it kills me, you know, when they steal something. Kind of back to the point we talked about of the investment you have in your education. They have zero investment in that. So not only do they steal it, but typically they don't care for it because they didn't earn it, right. if that makes any sense. And so, like, I see these, you know, things that people steal and they just discard them, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's like, really? Or they treat them like it's just garbage. And you're like, dude, that's a high end something, something. But it means nothing to them mm -hmm. because they didn't have to work for it. You know, they, they broke the window out. They jimmied the door. They crawled under your vehicle and sawed part of your car off. Um, I can't tell you how many of those. And, and we do a lot of repairs on those. And I, my goal with doing the repairs, I get no joy out of doing that service. I love fixing broken cars. Like if I can keep your vehicle up and going, that's really truly why I do this. Um, that's not a broken car. No. That's a vandalized car. But the, the only silver lining or the way that I'm like, hey, is that typically I can build the system or repair the vandalized parts cheaper than if you go somewhere else and they have to order all those pieces because they can't fabricate. That's the biggest value, essentially, or the biggest thing that I can kind of give back. It still costs money. You know, I'd love to be able to just give that stuff out, but it's obviously expensive if people are sawing it off your vehicle. Um, but there's a lot of deterrent things out there. There are alarms. There are cages. There are this or that's. Um, I'm not saying that's all a waste, but I've seen those systems defeated a lot. And a lot of times when they defeat them, they actually create more damage because they, you know, go about it. And I'm not trying to give a tutorial on how to defeat that stuff. Uh, but the, the, probably the best thing that I could recommend is a well-lit area, motion lights. Uh, if you have a garage, get all the junk out of there. And I'm basically preaching to the choir here because my garage is full of crap too. Uh, you need to get all that stuff out of there. If you have the ability to park inside, do it and lock the door. If you have the ability to, you know, have motion lights or add some kind of deterrent, do it. If you have the ability to have a dog, 
you know, you, you know, maybe park closer to where the dog's at. So there's some kind of a deterrent there. Um, don't make it easy. And that's the biggest thing, especially if you drive certain vehicles. Um, and I, I don't feel like putting this out there as targeting anybody, uh, because hopefully I would assume the thieves or the dregs of the earth don't get up before, uh, 10 or 11 on Saturday. <laughs> They're probably not listening cause they were out pirating over the evening, but you know, for my higher, uh, ground clearance vehicles, you definitely need to be more, uh, aware because it will, um, be easier for them. Even some of my lower, gl- uh, ground clearance vehicles that the emission system is tighter or more efficient, um, they'll jack the vehicle up. So be mindful of where you're parking it. And if you leave it in the same place for a long time, that is a target. It truly is a target. So you need to be moving it around. You need to be securing it as much as possible. Um, Be proactive as much as possible. And hopefully that will keep you from being a target. So a lot of places I see sometimes at the hospital, they'll target there, the Mm -hmm. mall. Um, If your vehicle breaks down, you definitely don't want to leave it on the side of the road or in a parking lot very long. Uh, I had it years and years ago, even before I was driving, our van broke down on the way to St. Louis and gas was cheap back then. But by the time we made it back up with a trailer, somebody had siphoned all the gas out of the van, which was super random. Cause it was like a buck, probably 30 back then, but somebody got all of our gas. And, uh, that was not, you know, maybe 10 gallons, but still it's kind of that, Hey, that wasn't yours kind of right. thing. Well, a thief is a thief. A thief is a thief. I guess that's the best way to put it. It's like, really? You know, why in the world would you do that? You know, it's and, and we actually, ironically, we were broke down and had made it to a gas station. They siphoned the gas in a gas station parking lot. The more I think about that, that <laughs> incident. And, you know, we didn't think anything about it. But, you know, the gas door was open and then uh, the transmission had let go in that van is what happened. So that was my first transmission job back in the day. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. My dad was at work. I just started taking bolts out. Um, so this is, uh, you, you probably never pulled a transmission, Sarah. Is that a, is that a fair now, statement? What makes you think I've never well, done that? I don't know. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but on the bottom of most transmissions, there's a big pan of fluid. Okay. So I'm laying under there. I was probably 12 or 13. I'm in the grass. It's in the yard at home. And, uh, I thought I was, I thought I was awesome. So I'm taking all these bolts out. So I'm just taking bolts out of everything. I really had no idea. Well, I took all the bolts out of the pan and I was laying under it and all that burnt transmission fluid, like in my mouth and my hair and my nose. Uh, So I got schooled real quickly that that's not probably how you do that. Thankfully, my dad got home later that day. We went ahead and pulled the transmission out. We, uh, I think we got a salvage transmission, if I remember right. Went ahead and stuck it in there. And I drove that van and delivered firewood with that van for probably another four years. And every time I pulled up to deliver a rick of firewood, they're like, you're delivering wood out of a van? I'm like, well, that's all I got, man. I don't, you know, I don't have a truck. It'd be great if I had a truck, but I don't have it. So I got to work with what I got. And that was kind of my spending money for the next few years was cutting firewood and and delivering it around town. So I'm sure you've delivered a, a rick of firewood or two I've over your time. I've done that a few times, and we did it in the old Danger Ranger. Yeah. So it, so uh, riddle me this. Was stacking firewood, did you charge extra, or was that part of it? Nope, we, ch- we put it in the charge. Yeah, you know that so, See, that was yep. right there. I loved the people that said, oh, don't worry about stacking it. You could just pile it. Yep. Uh, that was pretty <laughs> cool. But, yeah, I've stacked a lot of firewood over the years, cut and split it. I didn't have a log splitter back then, so I did it all by hand. For the first 
first year when Ryan and I did this, because a uh, fun fact earlier, we were talking about college and the importance of really earning it. Yeah. That is how we actually did it. <laughs> I commend you because that's not easy it's, work. No. Well, and it started off as, oh, we have to pay off a couple of college bills. And then it kind of became a fun thing. Yeah. We had a legit business going yeah. for for a couple of winters. But yeah, we did not have a log splitter that first year. Yeah. So it was all exercise. It, you know, and that is some of the best exercise I ever oh, yeah. got was cutting, splitting, stacking firewood. It really will give you a serious, serious workout, but a lot of satisfaction. But we need to take another break. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. We've got just a little bit more time. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, we got a listener question out there. But before we get into that... Can we ask people and get like some feedback? Oh, is sure. That a, is that a legit thing? So what I want to ask is if you guys have any ideas of whether, you know, hey, what should I do about the fuel situation? Or if you've got some really good um, like solutions to that. Now, I'm not talking about hydrogen generators and alternative uh, fuel generation. I really don't think that's something that 90% of people out there should be messing with. I am somewhat familiar with that, um, but not really what I'm talking about. But if you got some like really good ideas about how to get more out of what all of us are paying for at the pump, can we get those? Can yeah, we, can we, sure. you know, they can go and text or, or mm-hmm. go to the Facebook page? Yep, they can shoot us a text. Our text line is 417. 417- Four four seven five seven four three. Once again, that is four four seven five seven four three. Or they can reach out to us on our Facebook or or our Getter. Both of those are get that. Yes, you need to. It's a lot of fun. Um, But both of those are at one zero four one KSGF. Excellent. Excellent. So what do we got on our listener? I guess this is a question, I assume. Yeah. So it was actually more or less a comment, but it kind of leads into a couple of different questions. So basically this listener has a Prius and they have had a hard time finding a shop that will work on it. Sure. And so they were just kind of like, why am I having such a hard time finding a shop? So that led... To me thinking, well, are there vehicles that A1 Custom Car Care doesn't work on? And if so, why? Okay. Excellent question. For all of our Prius people out there, this is kind of a public service announcement. You probably need to be more careful than most about where you're parking your car because they are targeting your catalytic converter. So FYI, you are a target just because you drive a Prius for for no other reason than that converter is very expensive. And they will jack it up. I literally saw a video. I think Sarah and I talked about this a few months back. There were three guys. I think it was in Kansas City, the more I think about it. Um, they targeted a Prius. They had the tools ready. They had the lookout, etc. And I know this isn't part of the question, but I feel like i got to put this out there. 90 seconds they had those people's catalytic converter. And that's well over $1,000 uh, worth of damage. A lot of times the... Uh, Insurance company will cover it one time, but after you, I had a, a nice lady. She's been hit three times that uh. I'm aware of, and we've had to fix it many, many times for her. But I digress. The question was, hey, why won't people work on my hybrid, basically? 
Um, so I have a couple of technicians that I allow to work on it. As far as within our company, um, if you have a hybrid issue, our Sunset location has a gentleman that is extremely good. You need to book an appointment with Darren, and you will need to leave the vehicle because working on those takes more time. The reason you can't find a lot of other shops that will take those on is because they are not continuing their education and their tools and equipment. That's as, just as straight as I can put well, it out there. Well, that just kind of circles sure around. Does. Look at that. The To answer your question that you expanded on a little bit more, Sarah, um, we pick and choose our diesel work. Um, I don't. I don't say that we don't do diesel work. We just put an engine and an ambulance here a couple weeks ago. Mr. Harlan at our Sunset location did that, did an awesome job. Super cool. It was diesel powered. And, you know, so I pick and choose what I want to do and who I want to do it for. So if you're our existing kind of customer clientele, you're going to have a better chance of getting me to take on that diesel work. If not, you know, we can have a discussion about it. And I kind of basically screen those for lack of a better term. What we don't work on at this point that I hope to in the near future is electric vehicles. So there is something called the Right to Repair Act that mandates that you as a consumer or me as an independent aftermarket repair facility can work on and have access to tooling, service information, and any kind of specifications on internal combustion, which your Prius falls into that. So I can get all the information that Toyota has as a private independent repair shop and i can do as good if not better than some of what you will find at the dealers uh the dealer is limited to and the reason i say it better um, and i don't mean that the dealers aren't great my dad was a dealer guy for years i've lived in that world but they're limited to what toyota says is okay and as an aftermarket independent repair facility a lot of what i'm doing is solving the engineered dealer problems with aftermarket solutions to fix some of the things that were engineered into the car. Does that make sense, Sarah? Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Yes. So the dealer can't always do that. They're limited to that. They can only do what Toyota says or Chevy says or Ford says or Honda says, whoever says. Um, so I have all their information and their abilities, etc., as well as I can step outside of that box that they put around it that this is their approved repair, which has been some of A1 Customs' biggest uh, wins, I guess, over, over the years. Um, I'm going to pick on Ford for a minute. Everybody knows I, I love my Fords. But Ford's got a bad, bad rap with their 543 valve. I bet you've heard me say that a million mm -hmm. times, haven't you? So you go to the dealer. They put on the same parts that they're having problems with, and then in a very you know, narrow window of time, you have those same problems again. Well, what we have done is I've built basically a system of when those 543 valves come in, this is what fixes those. And then you get hundreds of thousands of new miles out of that truck instead of having to trade it in on something that's got even new and different problems. So that's kind of what I'm talking about with some of these different solutions. I have things that we do for our Hemi owners out there, which is going to be our Dodge folks. I have things that we do for some of our Chevy Cruze folks. Um, we have, I want to say, essentially bulletproofed your vehicle, Sarah, but I've done a lot of those um, updates or after manufacturer uh, solutions to make sure your car's still in good shape and we don't have problems and problems and problems. So knock on wood, hopefully I've done a good job with you. Um, but that's what it's about is continuing that education, the evolution. Okay, this didn't work. We're going to completely re-engineer, redesign some of that stuff to solve that solution 
to where we don't have that reoccurring problem. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. You think that's a, a good uh, approach to this, I guess? So what if they're looking for a shop? How do they find it? Like, do they just like Google a bunch of shops and they call them and be like, hey, are you going to work on this? So that's, or... a, that's, that's a fair answer. Okay. And you need to pay attention to not only their answer, but how they answer. Okay. So if they're like, yeah, I think we could take a look at that. You know, my neighbor had one and, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I'm putting a southern <laughs> hillbilly draw on there. But Or do they answer with confidence? Yes, we have the gentleman to work on it. Darren's available, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. This time, this is our process. This is our procedure. You're looking for the confidence that they're going to own the outcome. Right. That's what I'm looking for. And there's been times where you'll bring your vehicle in, and I'll be very honest. You may get a call from our service advisor. Depending on what it is you're driving, if you're driving some weird exotic thing, then I'm going to tell you, no, you're not. That's not, you know, what we're, our specialty is because I don't have the confidence and I can't look you in the eye and say, yes, we will, we will own the outcome and the solution of that vehicle. Like I said, we're not perfect, but we continue to continue to get better every <laughs> single day with education, with processes. When something doesn't work for us, that's a learning experience. It's not something I want swept under the rug or, you know, oh, you know, that just didn't work out. Okay, why didn't it work out? And how do we ever not have to run into this again? And two, what do we do about it and what will work? That's kind of the biggest thing as far as our mindset as a company and make that an educational process. So that's where most of our, um, I don't want to say bulletproofing, that's kind of comes out of the diesel world. But our solutions come from is, you know, we've tried other things and they didn't work. And so I'll have customers like, hey, what about this particular part brand? And there's a lot of times I say, no, we don't install that, nor will I, because I've tried it and because it's kicked my butt and it's made us look like fools, um, that that's not a good concession that I'm willing to make as a company. And that's why you're coming to us. You don't want to have to be the guinea pig. And we've done this hundreds, if not thousands of times, that this is what works. This is our process. And it's it's our process because we can stand behind it. So my soapbox sure came out there, didn't it? Sarah? No, I think it's great. And I think that it's really important for you to explain these things. Because yeah. sometimes if uh, somebody calls and says, hey, can you work on this? And you say, no. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, well, why? Yeah. What about me? You know? Yeah. So I think that it's really great to kind of dissect exactly why a vehicle may or may not be a good fit for the shop. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not that I can't work on it. I choose not to work on it. And when I say that, you know, I will be a little bit picky on who and what I work for, um, it's because I need it to be for the right reasons. And I need the customer's um in uh, the customer's priorities to be clear to me. So we don't work on motorhomes typically, but I had a, a gentleman who was actually a listener. He brought his motorhome in him and I had a discussion. He's like, Hey, I need this, you know, taken care of in this manner. And I said, for you, yes, we will take this on and, and do it. It's not that I can, I can pretty much fix anything, but I need to need to make sure that your concerns align with my standard of repair and that is a big big deal to me so miss sarah you Man, always close out the show i know well time flies when you're it having does. fun well if you're out there in radio land and you have a question or a comment it doesn't matter how big or small you can shoot us a text on our text line 417-447-5743 or you can reach out to us on our facebook or our getter both of those are at 1041 ksgf dustin i hope you have a good yes. rest of your weekend be safe out there bye